It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. Yeah. No, but it's... I don't want to talk about it too much before we record. <laughs> oh, we're recording now. Oh, hi. Um, Surprise, this is our style. Yes. No. <laughs> You couldn't do like a little woo-woo, um, some kind of language. That that's how we should start every podcast now. It's just you go woo-woo, and that's that. I like You're it. You're on the Stouffer Express. <laughs> uh, this is actually a time to, to ask a very fu- like vital question, just because, Chris, I've known you for several years, yeah. and it seems like there's a battle between Stouffer and Stoffer, and I've never heard you say your own name. Stoffer. It's stalker. I am not a frozen food. Whole lot of puns just got <laughs> thrown out the window there. I know. I know nothing comes closer to home. But yeah. <laughs> I, I there was a I guess when I first started back doing acting, my Facebook name says Krista Lively Stoffer. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really good because I have a, a a light lisp on my S's now that I've said it. Now you'll be hearing it all the time. What? S. Like there's just a little it's a whistle. Ask. Give me a give me a really S-y like I scissored those spaghettios. Wow. <laughs> That's a very visual one too. <laughs> I'm mad that it's the first thing I thought of, but please say it for me. <laughs> I scissored the spaghettios. Can you hear the whistle? Only not not a full Winthrop Peru, but like no, just it's not. No. Bit. It's but it's enough that when you have the name Krista. And then you marry into Stoffer, then a you lot. have to Krista Stoffer. <laughs> so in a way, it's easier to put the lively in there, even though it's not my middle name. But how many times did you introduce yourself at parties like that before you went, this has to stop? I'm putting it alive. Probably probably <laughs> Krista Stoffer, this has to stop. Sounds like Fire Marshal Bill, the Jim Carrey. <laughs> <color>. <laughs> Oh man, that was a great character. That dates all three of us for sure. Yeah, I just know about it in retrospect. I wasn't ah. <laughs> just a wee just a little bit. I don't know. I hit thirty-one and had plenty of. Um, I don't know. My body's starting to break down, so that was what was extra fun about <laughs> having a global plan. Hey, fun fact: it oh, gets no. worse too. <laughs> Yeah, my back's been hurting for three days. I don't know why. I don't know what happened, but you know. I mean, it's interesting that I've been seen. So I um, have a theater background. I went to Ohio State, the Ohio State University. Um, I got a BA in theater, (laughs) so I um, have that background, and I currently work in the theatrical field. So because of that, I have a lot of friends who um, magically have movement training, Alexander technique, or or whatever it really is. And the amount of group sharing going on for everyone saying, my lower back is killing me right now. That is the sub-pandemic to the pandemic. <laughs> everyone has a terrible lumbar support at home. And we're not working from our office chairs, and I feel like backs are just going out. They are. Yeah. It's just, it's just weird. And I mean, part of why I was so excited to talk to you is that you are in the city mm-hmm. and uh, things are a little different there than in central Ohio. So before I say anything more though, hi, 
welcome. Welcome to Speak Easily with Krista Stoffer. I worked out today and I didn't shower afterwards. So I just want to apologize. That for is the best intro you've ever done, by Thank the you. way. Thank you. I thought <laughs> Stopping halfway through to say that you haven't showered properly. Exactly. Like, that is Krista, Krista Stoffer for I'm sure. here and I'm not totally ready. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that kind of the mantra of 2020 though? Here I am. I ain't wearing pants, but you can't see that. So it's fine. So, you know, on my Google calendar, but I didn't care. <laughs> no, so I, I'm so excited. Audrey, thank you so much for coming on and, and being willing to talk about this because we are, we typically don't have a theme. Why am I holding a pencil? <laughs> it matches Just your sweater. stick it in your hair. That's where it needs to go, right? Well, for once, I'm not wearing a pencil. I know, but you could be. You're holding a pencil. It goes with your outfit. Put it in there. It does actually match your outfit and everything, too. What's up, Miss Grizzle? That's a whole coordinated <laughs> That's what I should change is just take out the lively and just be Krista Frizzle Stopper. It. it flows. There's it. no the lisp part is is out. So no that's great. Yeah. I always thought the word lisp was actually kind of a cruel way to, to describe that particular condition too. Is let's stick an S right in the middle of it so you can see <laughs> so the people who have it can trip over it. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of like stutter. Why do you put two T's in the word stutter? And what's the deal with airline food, guys? Right? I mean, since we're doing a shtick here, I mean. On the topic of stutters, I do want us all to remember that in roughly 2006, uh, R&B legend Joe came out with a song that really is quite ableist when you think about it. Okay. I can tell you're lying because when you're replying, you stutter. But he doesn't say stutter. He says, just stutter. Ooh. Which is which is rude. It is. Yeah. And I think we gave him a Grammy nomination for that. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Joe? Joe. Do you pull up the um Google Joe? <laughs> Google Joe. <laughs> Go to page three. <laughs> Rapper Joe Biden came up. That's new. Rapper Joe Biden. I'm not ready for that. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> That's that's 2021, man. I can't deal with that now. And the song is called Stutter. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll have to look that up. Look that up later. Is it and then a workout playlist? <laughs> Technically, yeah, it's got a beat to it. But I would chase it with his uh not what's what's a duet when you do it with three people, but that third person is a boy band. How many that's people are in the boy band? That's when you get four. That's a that's a sextet. I know, right? There's seven. Sep. Oh, septet. Y'all are teaching kids at home right now. I, I was know. gonna say, thank God I found. I'm gonna actually have to check on the YouTube. This is a this is an educational one for kids. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so Audrey, you are in the city, and you've been there. Have you been there like three years now? Has it been that long? It has. Okay. June third is gonna mark three years. Okay. And let's just clarify when when you say the city, Sorry. you mean New York City. <laughs> Is there Big any Apple? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I grew up just outside of Detroit. I lived in Columbus, Ohio, for ten years after that, um, due to going to the Ohio State University, and then just Columbus is awesome. So I continued to live there and work there and. Um, was very involved in the theater community, so much so that I said, hmm, I should make this a full-time job. And uh, I made the move to New York three years ago with a two bucks, what was it? Three bucks, two bags, one me? Three, 
Mm. I directed the show. You'd think I know. Three bucks, two bags, one knee. Yeah, three bucks. And a dance spell and a tuba chapstick. <laughs> Keep it all tucked back <laughs> and moisturized. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, did that and... Yeah, I've, I've lived uh, here and there around the city, but I've been uh, up in Harlem, uh, which is the north side of Manhattan, for people not too familiar, yeah. uh, meaning when Godzilla finally comes, he will, that's my neighborhood, where okay. he's going to attack uh, Manhattan. Uh, but at least you know that, because, you know, if this coronavirus isn't bad enough, Godzilla certainly, certainly, certainly should. Certainly not. He definitely won't do that. <laughs> that that fantastic... Stoffer Connolly. Um, <laughs> enjoy that. Yes. Well, no, that's the interesting thing is because I feel like um, cinema has prepared me my entire life for what any kind of massive attack or, you know, explosive event would look like in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So much so that week one into the pandemic, I finally watched Cloverfield for the first time for fun. Um, and, and did the whole thing, yeah, for fun. Uh, did the whole thing that every New Yorker does when they watch movies going, hey, I know that street. Hey, I saw a guy shit on that corner. Hey, I know what that is. Um, but the sense of that anxiety you get from watching those movies and thinking, oh my God, what would I do in that situation? Yeah. And realizing that the actual emergency that we're living through right now, it has not been made into a movie, except for maybe Cloverfield Lane, kind of, but I don't have John Goodman here with me. Okay. Um, it's been weird being in a city that, you know, I've seen it play out so much before. It's like, you're gonna have mobs, you're gonna have this kind of pack mentality of people trying to like fight or flight it out. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been that. There's, there's been a lot of quiet, there's been a lot of lovely moments. Um, I know that, I think it's, nationwide that people are doing the seven o'clock clap for yeah um, right um in new york that's really amplified because every window like the busy world of richard scary has a whole family in it that's leading out um, <laughs> so it's been really nice every day at seven o'clock you get this genuine joyous cacophony coming at you um oh, cool. hello Catherine. hi kate <laughs> hi how hello. are you guys hello Good. sorry i called you by your government name i saw it on the <laughs> My official name. <laughs> Dude, ooh, we should all have a government name. I haven't had one of those yet. I'm not allowed to tell you what mine is. Yeah, you'd have to kill um, me. <laughs> How'd you know that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have, we actually, this is I, one of our first, well, okay, this is like our third time doing a recording, but uh, we're excited to have two guests on tonight. So, this is where I have to not talk with my hands because if I point where I see Audrey, I don't know that everybody sees Audrey here. Um, they definitely do not. <laughs> that's Audrey. She's right there. I'm and assuming you're pointing to the plant. And then Kate's down here. Am I over here for you? <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> so, Kate just didn't want to leave. No. <laughs> Kate's like, yeah, I'm done. This is. <laughs> Leave meeting. Where is that? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to bring two guests on is because we have two very different perceptions, ideas, feelings, experiences from two people who are have been a big part of what's going on with this this epidemic and pandemic. Sorry, pandemic. We've gone to cooking items with it. Um, in that, yeah, it, it was. It's something that. 
as much as we talk about it, as much as we'd like to not talk about it, it is the topic. It's the thing that we're all talking about. We're trying to not think about it, but it's, it's also important to, to hear true perspectives and to hear true things. And when I posted that I was going to have you guys on, there were a lot of people that, that came up with questions. So I think that people are genuinely, I've literally had this much wine. I think I'm just tired. Um, genuinely, Audrey's covering your face. She's like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so let me start again. Kate, I know you just, just jumped in. Audrey, give us a little bit of the perspective of what you're going to kind of talk about tonight. Okay. Sort of where you are, I guess. Well, I was born in 1989. And since then, I know. This is going to be a good one, guys. I know. <laughs> um, so um, we talked a little bit. I've been in New York for three years. So, so I am a citizen of the big city, uh, dealing with the pandemic as a citizen and, and kind of the new psychological stressors that come with that and challenges that you face every day, being in a place so dense with people and not being certain exactly what's going to happen day by day yeah. yeah which can be a little bit terrifying um some of the best horror movies are about people attacking people so <laughs> um, also um i work within the theater uh, the field of theater specifically um, an arts ser service organization fundraiser and it has been of course a blow to the theater community this very um social distance socially distant time has not done well for a lot of performance professionals. And then also on top of that, I'm going to discuss um, the fact that I had and have recovered from uh, COVID-19 um, and all of the fun ups and downs and ins and outs that came with that. So that's my little, that's my little three pack there. <laughs> what I have to offer today. That's a resume right there. <laughs> Thank you. Special skills. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that's that's why I wanted to bring Audrey on and and Kate tell us tell us who you are, my dear. I mean, I've known you for a little little bit of time. Yes, we've known each other for a very long time. Um, yeah, Chris and I went to Ottervine together, where I studied nursing. Um, she was so, a smart people major. <laughs> <laughs> and. I um, have been a nurse here in Columbus, Ohio, since we graduated in 2002, um, and been working here in the hospitals and in the um, outpatient office settings since that time. Have had many different experiences, and now, as medical professionals, we find ourselves in this brand new uh, time where none of us have experienced anything like this before. And it came about so quickly, we had to just turn on a dime and change how we do things. Yes. So many things. Um, and so, you know, I am experiencing trying to prepare my patients, trying to prepare myself um, to keep myself and my family safe. And also, you know, trying to work with my fellow colleagues, nurses and uh, physicians to figure out new ways of doing things and um, how we're going to go forward because this doesn't seem like it's going to be going away anytime soon. So that's where we are. And in Ohio, we're kind of on, we're, we're ramping up. We're kind of on the brink. We're nowhere near where New York 
um, is, and hopefully we won't get to that extreme, but um, that's what everyone here in Ohio is preparing for, kind of the worst case scenario. Wow, yeah, it's certainly an uplifting topic I chose for this evening, so thanks for jumping on board with that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, Kate, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's for real. Seriously, thank wow. you. All of your humanity has been called upon right now, and it's clearly so needed and appreciated right now. So thank you also for, yeah, I'm really happy to see you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so I, I really want you guys, yeah, Kate, I, here we go, Audrey and Kate to... <laughs> to kind of lead this, but because I think that you guys probably will have a lot to say to each other on, on your experiences and what's happened. Um, but I guess Audrey, like start us off. I mean, tell us when everything happened for you and sort of the beginning of everything. Okay. Um, I first started to show symptoms, um, almost not exactly two weeks, 16 days after my place of work went into a work from home situation. Um, and I, I work for the Alliance of Resident Theaters New York, abbreviated Art New York. Uh, we, our executive director, Jenny Lutus, made the call to shut down just before the official calls came out. And admittedly, we all thought at the time, it's like, this is, this is, you know, this is anxiety driven. This is preemptive. And then the world shut down like two days later. So she was ahead of the curve. <laughs> um, so I had been, pretty much quarantined. I took it very seriously from the start. Uh, we found out a coworker had tested positive. We got a call about two weeks after we were sent home um, and he was doing fine. He was not doing fine. It's terrible, but he was at home. Um, and after I got the message that day from my boss, I went outside for the first time in a long time, went to the grocery store, wore gloves, covered my face casually, didn't have a mask came back and that is the extent of the time I spent outside. Um, and based on timing that we've heard about at least so far for when you can catch it and when you start to show symptoms, it would seem like that trip to the grocery store was more likely to have been where I would have picked it up um, than maybe directly from my coworker, just based on the timelines there. But what was kind of freaky about that is I was very cautious and I think it's just a matter of we're in such a dense area um, where there's such a high infection rate that it's invisible. You don't really know when you're gonna get it and when you're not and how close is too close and are you breathing in a six foot radius of somebody and is that still too close maybe? I have no idea. Um, but I started to feel not great um, for me, the symptoms presented at first as, sorry, everybody, we're going on a ride here. I promise it, it gets better at the end. I go better. <laughs> but it started um, with chest tightness and what I consistently and will continue to describe as the worst headache I've ever had in my life. Um, I described it to a lot of people as that feeling when you cannonball into a pool and you shoot chlorine up your nose. If you just have that sharply and constantly. Um, <laughs> and the fever set in shortly after that. Um, relatively low, just, just below 100. And would kind of, for the next 12 days, I constantly did or did have a fever or was just coming off of it. So I sweat the whole time. I lost like seven pounds, which I'm going to take that as a silver lining. I mean, body 
positivity, but I was looking to lose a few, so that was nice. <laughs> um, the fever came with it. Uh, I had some chest tightness at first, and that went away. At first, I thought it was going to be like a cold that was coming on. I had been familiar with that feeling. Um, I'm 31 years old. I had been a smoker since I was in college and had just quit in the fall. In addition to that, uh, this past fall, um, as, as some people know, I had a pretty scary episode in the hospital um, where I had a small cardiac episode um, that was tied in with a lung infection that left me with some nodules in my lung. So coming off of just quitting smoking and knowing that that had happened in end of October, November of last year, when they started saying, you know, who might be more at risk, I was in the B category yeah. for, who, for who was going to really have a problem with it. Um, so I think the first week, one of the worst symptoms that's not a, really technically a symptom was dealing with just the, the fear and anxiety in knowing that every day I would have to log on and look for things from CNN to be like, what's the newest news on this? Um, my doctor was available by teleconference, which was fantastic. I have a great primary care physician who is stuck in India right now because she was there when the lockdown was issued. So I've been conferencing with her in India. Um, and she gave me great advice and we did, uh, every three days we would do a check-in. Um, but there's a problem in New York right now with a shortage of testing and supplies um, being available. So there would be different mandates almost every day on what the requirement was for you to actually go seek medical help, um, as like in person, going to a hospital. And I was always just below that threshold by my doctor's account. There was one day I talked to her two different times because I was like, I can't take a great breath right now. Um, and I'll get into that feeling in a second because there's something really specific about the, br the breathing restriction um, that was new to me. But living with the fear of not knowing where this road was going particularly and knowing that it could lead to worst case scenario, a grave practically, like it could have been that or I could have been fine. And knowing that there wasn't any precedent to build on for it's like, well, what does it feel like when you're about to pass? What does it feel like when you, you know, what's too much or too little? And then you'd get new alarmist reports every day about what was gonna happen and then you'd get positive sources. But a lot of those would be overshadowed by sensationalism. It's hard to get information right now. And our healthcare workers, bless you Kate, are so bogged down with saving lives literally every minute that there just isn't the time to not only, I think, reflect on what the answers to some of these questions are, but also to send out answers to a lot of questions that people have when they're dealing with it at home, um, when they don't know if a roommate or a family member um, is getting too ill, like what's that line anymore? <sighs> I'll just real quick go into the chest um, pressure and then I want to pass on to someone else. Um, when when people were talking about having difficulty breathing and what the dry cough is as as a smoker of several things since college <laughs> i had experienced several times of coughing i've had you know a cold before um and it it didn't quite register with me what it was going to feel like it's not that anything was ever in my chest to cough up it was that 
when I tried to suck in a breath, it was like everything was too, like the, the spongy elasticity of my lungs was gone and I couldn't inhale enough. It would get about halfway full and then just immediately go, oh fuck, and shove everything out. And that was the cough is, is just constantly recovering from your lungs stretching to the point of feeling like they were gonna break from just even smaller breaths. And the, the kind of great thing was when I turned a corner and started to feel better, it was like 24 hours and gone. After about 20 days of, go of yo-yoing and the fever wow. and the last week and a half, it's like I started to feel a little bit better. And then the next day and a half, I was doing yoga in my living room and like was feeling really good and putting on makeup again. Um, so you that was a long time. That's, I mean, nothing else really gives yeah. you that long of an illness. You know, yeah. you feel like this is touch and go we could go either way from moment to moment for you said 20 days or so to feel like that. Um, do you live by yourself or did you have someone to help you? I, here, here's the thing there. I'm a very stubborn independent person, <laughs> but yes, I do. Um, I have a great roommate, um, Kyle Rutkowski. Some people in Columbus probably know. Uh, we went to college together. We're very close. We have a great roommate relationship, but for his safety, um, we I stayed quarantined in this lovely room, um, which is seven by 10, and um, fun fact, the size of some jail cells. More padded, but it's- <laughs> The <laughs> but window? 20 days, and during that time, um, we just essentially made sure everywhere I went, I basically had Lysol wipes on my hands, didn't touch anything, and we keep the place pretty much immaculate anyway, but Kyle was consistently cleaning. And he either never picked it up or was asymptomatic and was fine, which, wow. knock. That's yeah, um, which was really amazing. But yeah, if I ever needed anything, he ran to pick up prescriptions for me, um, which was great. Um, so yeah, I was never thinking that, you know, I might have an issue where... I, I was just here for three days and cats were eating my face and no one knew I was here. Um, I don't even have a cat, so I don't know how that would happen. <laughs> that <laughs> so probably gives you a little like, bit of reassurance though too, you know, yeah. knowing that if for some reason I am so short of breath that I cannot make it to the phone or make it to yeah. my hallway or whatever outside to call for help, at least there's another human being in the vicinity. Right. Know? And honestly, hearing his footsteps every now and then would be like, okay, because it's when you are in a room for that many days, it's, I mean, we're all socially distanced right now, but you go a little crackers, you go a little nuts, just a bit. Um, it's a lot and you miss people. And just the other day, actually, because I've been feeling better for enough days, but we were um, doing like games with friends and we had been drinking a little bit and leaned in and touched each other. And I was like, oh body contact <laughs> the person um yeah so i did have someone um with me but i was pretty much you know for safety purposes um in my room eating in all that tiger king yeah. <laughs> did you do you feel like you knew right away what what this probably was or did part of your brain think 
maybe this is just a sinus infection. Maybe this is allergies. Maybe I have a migraine, you know, something like that. To try to make yourself feel better or in, you know, denial of some sort. I think the line for me was when I chose to talk to my parents about symptoms. That was, that was like me giving in to be like, this might be a problem. Um, because, because immediately, I would say the first day when it was just like chest pressure, and honestly, some like feelings of head stuffiness that was just beginning that made me think, you know, maybe I was just, it was a little rainy the other day and I took a walk. Maybe I just got some gunkies in my chest. It's fine. Um, that was not the case. Um, but as somebody who, like many others, was raised with WebMD throughout my early adulthood and like trying to avoid going to the doctor and self-diagnosing consistently, uh, yeah. That was hard the first day. But also, I mean, how many people in the last month have Googled, what are the symptoms of COVID-19? And like, right? Well, and here's here's the bullshit thing about it, Krista, is, is and I'm, I'm sure Kate can, can talk about this plenty, is like, it seems like there's the big three um, of the dry cough, the uh, lack of being able to breathe in the fever. But there's also so many other dumb waves to it. I lost my sense of taste and sense of smell for, right, for about two and a half weeks. Um, I was not, it wasn't even just nausea. I was completely and utterly uninterested in food, which is weird for me, uh, really. Like I, I eat to comfort myself, I eat to celebrate things. If I ever get a cold, even if I get a stomach ache, I'm like, oh yay, soup all the time, I like soup. Um, but with this, I was at maybe like 800 calories a day. Again, the headache was blinding, like behind my eyeballs was throbbing. So you're then Googling all of those symptoms too and being like, is this part of that? Is it pancreatic cancer like WebMD always says it is? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be something terrible. Um, so yeah, but really only about 24 hours of true trying to self-diagnose before that next day when particularly the headache and the fever were bad enough that I was like, I, I need to call a doctor. This isn't right. Um, and were you tested? <laughs> did you, did you, when, at what point did you get um, tested? Or did you get was, Because of um, the issues with staffing in my area, when I first got diagnosed when the um, federal government was just sending up the boat comfort um, to us and they had put a regulation out around New York that your fever had to be like above 102.5, this very specific number, um, and, and or you had to be, you had to have so much difficulty breathing that you genuinely couldn't breathe. If you did not present those two specific things, they were saying, do not go to an emergency room. So everything that I did, I never got the formal testing. I'm in touch with my doctor right now so we can do the post-testing so that I can do plasma donations um, once we hit about three weeks out here. Um, but everything was just the touch and go and keeping in teleconferences with my doctor. Um, and that, I mean, that really fed into the anxiety of it is knowing something's wrong. The doctors are still learning quickly what it is. I don't necessarily know how to self-treat it. And I don't know how late is too late for me to call an Uber to go to the doctor. Because <laughs> um, it's like when they tell you that, you know, don't go until you really can't breathe. I'm like, define really can't breathe. Yeah. That's dead. What, <laughs> what do I do with that? Um, yeah. 
That was a very long-winded answer. Sorry, Kate. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I think that that's, that's, what, that's what everybody's been interested in, though. And I, I, I know that we have, Ben and I have another friend from high school who was, was also diagnosed. She's, she works in the medical field, too. And that was something like, people just want to know. Because we see, like you said, it's, it's a little bit sensationalized and everybody's just kind of going at it. And it's, it's hearing from people who actually had it. Like, what did you experience? You know, rather than... <clears throat> and everyone's a little different. Yeah, yeah. But it just seems long and miserable for those who... <laughs> that seems pretty consistent. That's it's like grad school. It's everyone's a little different. As long as miserable and you lose a little weight, it is fine. <laughs> a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see what you're doing with that. Yeah. I'm going to agree. Which, Kate, I'd be happy. I, I wouldn't be happy, but I'm interested to hear that. Um, I had similar but slightly different symptoms from my coworker. Um, I have a coworker's child who's going through it now they're not a child they're 23 um, but they're going through it now and we kind of touch and go what are some of those extra you know 11th and 12th spices that people are presenting when they're <laughs> yeah i mean no sorry so thank goodness i don't know any of our patients none of our patients have tested positive yet that we know which is wonderful here in Columbus, I know two of the major health systems at this point have about 60 patients right now um, admitted, but um, there are so many people in the community who we don't know if, if they're positive or not, because testing here at this point is for health medical professionals or those in high-risk groups, um, older individuals, and you have to have the fever mm -hmm. and the cough. Other things are, are what you've talked about with the, the headache, I've heard sore throat, um, lack of taste and smell, body aches, so, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then, of course, a lot of my colleagues and I, we worry that because we've been around so much, so many viruses, so much bacteria for years and years and years, our immune systems are probably pretty good, you know? And so we worry that we're going to be these asymptomatic carriers, you know? And so every little, ooh, my throat's a little, a little scratchy today. Oh, I have a little bit of a headache. It makes us worry that is this it? Is this now coming? So it's this kind of underlying anxiety that I think a lot of us are, are feeling, you know? Have you had hands-on or, or been around any tests before? And can you explain a little bit about, um, even if it's just a best guess, is it's like, what's the reason that there is such a shortage and what would it take? Like, how hard are they, how complex are they really? How much has to be produced? What? Why is there such an issue with getting what, I think we're all just guessing. It's like, it, isn't it a cotton swab? What's, what's the issue? Yeah, what's crazy and what I've heard is that it's, all the pieces, parts of the actual test. And it's sourcing all of those materials from different places. And a lot of the um, countries that where we have gotten this, these materials from historically, um, we're now not able to import as easily if they're coming from Italy or they're coming from China. Um, and so, you know, now it's also what's happening is, you know, the federal government is trying to create a stockpile and, um, so now the states are having to kind of go through that network in order to get 
supplies. And now this week in Ohio, it's getting better. And as the weeks go on, it gets easier and easier to get tested. And I have heard rumors about the um, antibodies. They're going to be available in the next week or two. So What's it's happening so quickly. So it's what you were talking about with um, how you may be able to donate. Yeah. Blood so that your antibodies that your body has created because you fought off the virus then they're able to take those from people who have had COVID-19, clean them up, and then transfuse them into a patient who has COVID-19 and mm -hmm. is actively infected so that that allows their body to fight it. Because a lot of these people who, you know, are over 60 and they have chronic medical conditions, their bodies are not gonna fight it off as easily as yours did, you know? And so once you go down <laughs> it's really difficult for them, you know, to improve. Wow. Jeez. Kate, what do you what do you have to do as precautions before you go to work and before you step into your home? What sort of stuff do you have to do with PPE and everything like that? So in our office, we um, are using masks with every patient visit. Um, doing frequent hand hygiene, um, same thing in the hospitals. So in our office and in the hospitals, we're taking everyone's temperature when we first arrive in the office, make sure no one has a fever. Um, and in the hospitals, they're also giving people masks to wear when you first walk in the door, you know. Um, the interesting thing with PPE is that because Ohio is not quite to that peak yet, the hospitals and, and private offices are really being cautious with how much PPE they use. And so they've changed a lot of policies surrounding who actually needs the PPE and who does not need the PPE and how long can we use it for. That's been very interesting. Um, for example, that N95, in my nursing career, I've only seen those used for influenza patients and tuberculosis patients. Well, how often do you have a TB patient in, you know, 2020? Sometimes, but not that often, you know? And so we would use one, you know, maybe two or three throughout the shift um, per nurse. Um, but the hospital didn't need that many, you know? So I think that's a big reason why we are having this shortage, you know, of the, and any five masks. Well, now if someone is suspected to have COVID or has COVID, that's the kind of mask that you would need to use. Um, and they're now able to sterilize those. So the process being at the end of your shift, you take off your N95 that you wore the entire time um, and <laughs> dispose of it in a container and then they sterilize that um, for the next day. Um, it's very interesting. And then also even the surgical masks, there's a shortage of the surgical masks as well. So those are the more like paper looking um, masks that people are, are wearing. And so those are used for people who are not suspected to have COVID, but you just wear those around the hospital, you wear them in everyone else's room to really more to protect them from you, from what you might be carrying. So um, yeah. yeah. 
no, this is um, this is a question that I have specific to the N95 masks. Um, there's been a lot of <laughs> between the scenic and costume designers in the theater industry. There've been a lot of people saying, "Hey, I have some resources that can actually be used for medical purposes." I've seen both in Ohio and in New York friends that I have that are involved in tech in some kind of way saying, you know, I was going through my shed and I found all these N95 masks. How do I actually donate them? And in the case of many of them, it's like, you know, oh, there's a hole in the bag. I don't know how to sterilize it. How do I sterilize it? What can I do and where can I send it? So do you know of something, I mean, specifically even in Columbus, are they accepting N95 masks from the public and even ones that need to be sterilized? And if so, where? Yeah. So I am sure that they would, they would accept donations of, of sealed N95 masks. Mm -hmm. um, if the packages have been opened, I don't think that they would be able to accept it. However, that would be a really good thing to put out there for people who have a loved one with COVID-19, you know, so putting it out there on Facebook or wherever that they have the ability to donate it to a, just a regular citizen, you know, who needs to protect themselves. Um, yeah, that would be a great use. And then also I was thinking about this, you know, you've heard about people making those cloth masks in their homes. Those are great to distribute to just the general public because my patients, bless them, you know, mostly all cardiology patients, a lot over the age of 60, everyone has a chronic condition. Um, they have come in with all kinds of stuff taped to their face, you know, trying to protect themselves from this virus. And they don't have the resources to go out and buy one on Etsy or, you know, whatever. And so if, if someone has the skills to sew that, there are all kinds of, of um, elderly people and people in need who need, the, need those things desperately. Kate, what do you, I know that I've, I've had some conversations with people about, I think Ben and I had one about the grocery store. Like when we go out to the grocery store or, or on our walk or, what, what, I, that's literally all we can do. Um, so when we do those two things that we can do right now, like, what do you say we, what should we be wearing? What should we be doing? What, I, there's, there's a lot of speculation of, you know, do we wear gloves at the grocery store? Do we wear the mask whenever we're in public? No gloves. <laughs> the glove thing makes, makes nurses and doctors like cringe. <laughs> Um, so when you're out on a walk, just stay socially distant, you know, you're six feet at least from people. There's no really no reason to wear a mask when you're just, unless you're in a congested area. If you're in a congested area, then yes. But thinking of, you know, suburbia, Ohio, you probably don't need to wear a mask. If you're on a busy city street, perhaps that would be a good idea. Um, if you are coughing, however, you should wear a mask. Yes. Definitely. Um, when you are in the grocery store, you definitely should wear a mask, um, a cloth mask, a surgical mask, you know, whichever kind of mask. Um, the glove thing, okay, 
So if you put a pair of gloves on <laughs> in your car and then you walk into the grocery store, okay, you're touching things, you're putting things in your basket, you're, you know, touching your, your purse and you're touching, there's germs on all those things that you're touching and then you're spreading those germs to all those other surfaces. Um, and then you're going, you're driving in your car, and then you're going to get gas, and you get out of your car, and you pump the gas, and all those germs that came from the grocery store are now on the gas. You know, whereas a better thing to do would be to just wash your hands in your car, go to your grocery shopping, come back out to your car, wash your hands again, go get gas, wash your hands again, you know, because hand sanitizer is, you can't use that on gloves, and you know, it's just, better to just wash it and not work you know that's genuinely good to know because today i i definitely didn't take that advice and i went grocery shopping with gloves on and a mask and you know <laughs> i you know i i'm used to throwing myself under the bus on this show so it's uh yeah so but no i was the guy and yeah I, but no that that is good to know because i i also don't like wearing the gloves they're uncomfortable they so. are uncomfortable, especially when you wear them more, for more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes. They, I can't imagine, man. No, it's not, not pleasant. I get like little bubbles of sweat underneath them. They're terrible. It's, it's, yeah. 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 That or if you don't have or latex gloves, I do want to do a PSA. I wore these Jane Austen bad boys and I got COVID-19. So stop wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> That's also just fucking stupid. Let's talk about that for a second. Like, there's a global pandemic. I'm going to put on these stretchy cloth gloves, and that's going to make all the difference. I saw a dude at the uh, grocery store today with plastic baggies taped to his hands. I swear to God, it was fantastic. I was... Bag hands. Come on, man. I saw one of my patients came, and, you know, bless their heart. They didn't know anything else. They, they folded a paper towel... It's kind of impressive <clears throat> and like duct taped rubber bands with a paper towel and like put it behind their ears and came in with that. <sighs> Human, <laughs> am I right? Necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. <laughs> Someone else wore like a C collar, you know, like those soft neck collars that you probably had to wear because you were in a car accident or something. And they just kind of like taped it up like a turtle. It's just turtled <laughs> themselves. Yes. <laughs> yep. Well, <laughs> if there there are silver linings to be had in truly every like everything, whether you're a blind optimist or just very privileged and blind to the world, uh, but but also past that, something that has been help so helpful these past like five six weeks, however long we've all been inside is seeing just the most simple, accessible, zany to genius level things that people are doing on a scale from either entertaining themselves or teaching their children, or how can I help my neighbor? Um, the amount of different ways people have invented that little grabby stick that has a claw at the end so they can hand things to each other without touching. Genius. There's MacGyvers everywhere in this country. And thank God they're putting it on the internet. <laughs> we need the outside the box thinking. That is for sure right now. Out of the box. Sorry. <laughs> so, so let me, there were, uh, when I put it out on Facebook that you guys were coming on, I didn't say specifically. We kept a little bit of it secret. But I did throw it out there as far as like, if you could ask 
one of these people a question, what would it be? So, um, so Audrey, uh, one of my friends said, when your symptoms were at their worst on a scale of one to 10, mm. what Seems like a really hard one to answer just because like, what's a 10? That's, I mean, that's, that's good. I was going to say there's two caveats. And is death, right? I mean, like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because that's the thing is the two caveats are what is 10 uh, for this kind of new thing. I know that usually when you go to the hospital emergency room, you get that little chart of different faces yeah. to say how bad's the pain. It's like, well, I'm not making that face, so I don't know. Um, so when they say there's mild to moderate cases and then there's, you know, hospitalization and being on a ventilator is I still wouldn't even know looking back if mine fell in the mild or the moderate camp. I had a little nebulizer for a while. I'm like, does that count? Do the tools that you have? That doesn't seem right. That's so classist. But like what you have access to, does that, um, does that make it better or worse? I will say, and I stand by this, it was the worst headache I've ever had. Just the duration of it was something I had never experienced before. Again, it was about 20 days. And during that 20 day sweat stretch, about 15 of those, um, my day did not consist of much more than trying to fan out my sheets because they were soaked with sweat. It's gross and I don't give a fuck. Sorry. Um, my body is a wonderland. And that's what it did. Um, so on the pain level, I mean, I've had gallstones before. That's a different kind of pain. I think the other, the second caveat um, that was so important with it was it's so mentally taxing because of so much of the unknown, the duration of it, and the fact that by its nature, you need to go through it alone. For the protection of others, um, this is, it's like, this is what you are going to go through and you really shouldn't even be in a safe distance talking to everyone about that. So dealing with a new kind of isolation, um, this sense of, it's so weird. It's, it's not like a fear of missing out, but seeing, seeing and hearing from people that were doing anything and the anxiety and depression and pain that comes along with not being able to participate in life. Um, and you are unable to participate in anything. I couldn't, there were, there were like four different days where I couldn't pick my head up because I was combination so tired and so achy. Um, so all of that put together, this is hmm, things that have happened to me. This is in my top three of, th of things I've experienced in my life. And those things include, I had septic kidneys one time and I had tonsils, <laughs> my tonsils were so inflamed that I couldn't close my mouth and swallow prior to having my tonsils removed. And this is up there in like, those, those three, those three are on my Olympic podium of things I've gone through in life. Wow. Had a kid that's just around the river bend. Um, take your time, take your time, take your time, take your time. It seems like the perfect time to nest. I figured if I was gonna do it ever, I'd do it now. Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> children are great and they're wonderful. Um, so Kate, <laughs> this this question, um. And again, I, I know that this might take some time to think through, but it was it was posed to you. When did you become worried that this was a serious pandemic that could potentially reach you? Hmm. I think I remember this because I think we had a conversation with our yeah. group and 
that came out. Yeah. So I, okay. So I tend to be someone who does not freak out easily. She okay. does not. It's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this. Okay. Let's just sit back and, you know, look at all the facts and is this really going to be as, as bad as it, it says it's going to be? Um, and so, you know, I had friends who were um, very worried early on and I, you know, said things like, well, you know, like the flu is bad and people die from the flu and this, you know, that was kind of my perspective in like early February, I would say. Is this really gonna be that bad? You know, that was my perspective. I was kind of in denial, I would say, about, about everything. And I think part of that too is just not having, not having the context for anything like this, you know? Um, and it was February 27th, I know that because <laughs> I looked on my Amazon uh, orders summary, you know, earlier today, and on February 27th, I ordered face masks on Amazon mm. because my really good friend, who Krista knows as well, um, works at one of the major medical centers in Columbus, and that medical center was ramping things up, and she was getting kind of the inside scoop on what this major medical center was doing. And so having that perspective on things really started to scare me. And I think that was the, um, the starting point for me, you know, thinking like, okay, this is really something that we need to pay attention to and need to, to take this seriously. And this really could be scary. And then I think it was a couple, it was, I think two weeks later, I think it was March 13th when we had the, the order to, um, to lock down. So um, that was a very um, escalated quickly. You know, those two weeks in Columbus, I think escalated quickly. Um, and then, you know, me, like everybody, you know, we have these ups and downs of it's going to be okay. You know, we've got this under control. We have time to, to plan. But anytime something new, would come, especially when that um, stay home order, you know, became a reality. I had a moment of, you know, panic of, oh my gosh, I have to go to Kroger right now, you know, and I had one of those panicked shopping trips where like, and I called my brother and my sister, like, you know, in the aisles, get to Kroger right now, this is going to, you know, hit the fan, we need to get non-perishables and, you know, completely irrational, not what I needed to do. But that was what did it, you know, that kind of put me over the edge because that's scary. It's something that we've never experienced before. Um, and then, you know, hearing stories then from Italy and New York City of these doctors and nurses who I can imagine myself in their shoes. I mean, I know what that's like to be on the floor working and be overwhelmed and have too many patients. and not to be able to be in three places at one time and have three people who need me and I can't be there, you know, and that feeling of helplessness that I've heard from people, from nurses and doctors on the front lines. And it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And there is a lot of truth um, to people saying that as we go forward through the next 
few months and years, there's going to be trauma. I think people are going to have PTSD um, from their experiences in these hospitals. I mean, seeing your patients just go down the tube so quickly and you don't have the resources that you need, you know, and seeing that much death and dying all around you day after day after day is what these people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I know two, two nurses who are working in one of the COVID hospitals. Um, but, so that it's like a hospital in New York City that's dedicated to only COVID patients. And these nurses, they used to work on this, on an oncology floor. And so they worked with medical oncology patients. That was their gig, you know, and all those cancer patients got taken out and it got full of, of COVID patients. And so not only is that not what you're used to doing, but now these people are actively dying right in front of you. And now you're taking care of people who are critically, critically ill in the moment. And during our conversation, I said, well, you know, like they need to be intubated. You can just send them to the ICU and, you know, they'll take care of it in my naivete, (laughs) you know? And they said, there's no room in the ICU. Like they stay on the floor where they are, you know, on the ventilator, which is not something that normally happens, you know? is not something that would happen at any of our hospitals normally, you know, when they're not in this crisis, this crisis mode. So I think, wow. you know, when you hear stuff like that from people that you know personally firsthand, it's not, you know, fake news. It's not some crazy headline. It's real. It's real. So I, I'm happy that um, a lot of other states have had the time to at least try, you know, to get the structure in place to um, be better prepared. And I think in Columbus, we really do have good, good things in place, you know, to take care of people as best that we can. So that's reassuring, but. I do want to, if I can, I want to piggyback off of, I thought it was on mute for a second. I want to piggyback off on that. The, um, the immediacy of having things happen around you of seeing things and going, wow, this is so frustrating versus what you see either on your social media, which I think it's important that we all remember that our social media is very much curated to us. So if something's going to excite us, be that a good excite or a bad excite, that's what you're going to see more of. So don't forget that folks. Anyway, um, algorithms, bitch. Um, But it, that's been something that has been really hard to digest. And I've talked with several of my other friends who are, I'm in Manhattan. I have friends in Queens and Brooklyn. We do you know, Zoom sessions um, and chat. And the impact that it's had in the city here is, has not been exaggerated in the media at all. The worst thing you've heard is absolutely correct. Uh, the hospitals are overflowing. They are putting up emergency hospitals in Central Park. They have sent up the comfort to help us. I know several people um, who... I have a friend who inside of one week lost both parents to COVID. It's, it is when you live here and have a community here, you don't just know one person that's passed from it, but that's passed from it, not just has it. Um, So when we, so when you start to hear things about 
not even the debate of economics versus health of should we reopen or not just anything that's kind of denying how real and serious it is it gets so frustrating because it's like you're saying you don't think something's a certain way and i am seeing in my immediate experience that knock knock who's there it is indeed that way and no it's not the flu <laughs> And it is scary, and there's a reason that we are all inside right now. <laughs> yeah. That's important to know. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is, because, like, I mean, fortunately in Ohio, it's been sort of, I guess, I mean, it's been relatively low compared to other places like New York. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people in my circles that are in that camp of going, well, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like maybe we just need to get the economy going back up. I think that's the most important thing. And, and to be, to be mildly fair, I, I, I understand that for some people it's just about immediate perspective. If that's, if the economic crisis, and there is a real economic crisis, is what you are most impacted by right now in your neighborhood, then you're going to think, yeah, that's the worst of the two evils because you haven't really had a solid bite of the shitty apple that is having an outbreak in your area. So there is part of me that understands that um, empathetically, that of course you wanna to respond to whatever hurt is hurting you the most right now. Um, but I do worry about people jumping out of a frying pan and into a fire. Yeah. That, that seems like kind of what the situation is. I mean, across the board, I mean, either you, you either get sick and, and go through the whole thing or you're gonna get hurt by the economic side of the thing on the, on the tail end of it, which I mean, who knows what that's gonna look like at this point, you know? And, and I mean, how much all of this is gonna to have to change and healthcare and everything else that has to, you know, we have to really sit down and readjust everything that we've done and, and how we've handled things. And you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I worry, I worry too, like as we go into warmer weather, you know, when it's bright and sunny and warm outside, it's number one, everyone wants to be outside in it, you know, number two, I'm one. Hard, yeah, yeah, me too. It's hard to feel like there's something terrible going on when you look up and the sky is blue and birds are chirping and everything's wonderful. And I, I worry that as we start to open things up again, it's also as the summertime is starting to, to start and so people want to have picnics and people want to do all their normal stuff and I, I worry that's going to be a perfect storm, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's, I mean, for us, I mean, we have young kids and, and it's like, you know, we're, we're going bonkers trying to keep them entertained inside the house and, you know, so, okay, let's go out and let's go do something today. We went to Blunden Woods and we, we walked because you can't go on playgrounds. You can't touch anything that other people touch on a regular basis. You don't want to, you know, accidentally contaminate somebody else if you're a carrier and you don't want to contract it, obviously, you know, but you know, it's really hard on a nice, beautiful day. You want to go out and do something and, you know, move around and you, you shouldn't. Have you introduced your children to stick in a hoop? <laughs> that might be that might be tomorrow's activity i'll be honest with you because we're, we're running real dry over here so pick the can for next week <laughs> we, we have, my kids have started making movies um and that's cool as dark that's as that is, like, the problem is getting them to not focus on the blooper reel uh i know that's a shocker coming from my house but <laughs> Let's try As somebody who makes videos for a living, that is what most people focus on is the blooper <laughs> reel. Every time, look at a little global blooper reel. Great. <laughs> not when you say it. <laughs> yeah. When you call it off. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to put it on there now. 
Um, so Kate, somebody else had asked, um, first off, how are you doing? <laughs> um, second off, is there anything we can do to help you and your colleagues other than staying at home? Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I think first of all, just asking how you're doing, you know, that really does make you feel good. You know, um, when someone randomly texts you and just says, Hey, you know, I know you're out there in it. Like, how are things going? Yeah. You know, it, it's number one, makes you realize that your people are thinking about you and noticing that you're doing the work that you're doing. And uh, number two, if you're having a moment and you really need to let it all out and that gives you the opening to really, you know, yeah. let out what you need to say and really just unload. Um, so that's been really nice when people just send a quick text and, or just ask, you know, how are you doing? You know, <laughs> it's a little bit. So different. you're suggesting talking through your emotions is a, is a good and healthy thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> hmm. It's been shown to, to have some benefits. <laughs> so bottling it up is bad. Is that what you, okay. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That goes against literally everything I was raised to believe. So, <laughs> the theater oh, way tend to be someone else for a little. Oh, bit. Uh, yes, that's that's also very healthy. Yes. Find out all your feelings that way. <laughs> Keeping yourself insanely busy so you don't have to think about the things that are wrong. Yes, that's are you another one. About the pandemic? I don't know. I'm on the Titanic. Right I now. don't have time to worry about that. I'm working about. Uh, yeah. That'd be a good coping coping strategy. I don't know. <laughs> someone else. Like you said, them. strategy instead of mechanism. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, just reaching out to people that you know who are, and not just healthcare workers, you know, people who are working at Amazon and people working at Kroger and, you know, people working in construction and all these, these jobs that are still kind of, you know, pittering on. Um, and then the thing about the masks is, is real. You know, if you are at all crafty, you know, keep doing that and distribute them to everyone on your street, you know, just to make sure everyone has it because most people don't. Is what Can I, I ask a really ignorant mask question? Yeah. I know that the M95 masks are, they're, they're a specific thing. Like what is the, what is the fundamental like functional difference between 95 mask and like one of the other kind of paper, what are, what are they called? Just surgical masks? Surgical masks, yeah. Um, well, I'll try to answer this <laughs> correctly. So, <laughs> no, don't go into specific details, please. You know, schematics right? are good. Yeah, we can yeah, get into that. <laughs> okay, so um, basically, the reason you would use an N95 is if whatever um, contagion you're trying to prevent transmission of um, has particles that are extremely small. So the okay. N95 is able to filter out those very, very, very tiny particles. Okay. That's the reason. So, um, the large ones, you know, bandana, a surgical mask, um, anything across your face is going to block it. But these particular viruses are extra sneaky and can get through the regular surgical mask. So, the N95 has some kind of filter in there that is able to filter out those tiny little particles. Okay. Okay. That that helps. Okay. Man, yeah. viruses are dicks, guys. Seriously. <laughs> and they keep mutating and changing and... Assholes. Seriously. Find that t-shirt and more on the merch page. <laughs> 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 we should totally do that. I think we... Yeah. 
And what is the deal with airline food? Seriously, I mean. You're cut off. Let me let me go to another question here. I just lost my my track. But I mean, before I say anything else, guys, this is this is amazing. Like just to have the two. Yeah, this is really cool. I, ben and I are just like kind of geeking out at this whole situation. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> no, but I mean, fandom circle. <laughs> it is. Also, like, I think when we when we get to those places, and Kate, I know I've I've been here when we've had our conversations, and you've seen it. I mean, my my friend Ryan yesterday said, unfortunately, this quarantine time brings out the worst in some of us, or it shows us the worst of us, and it's it's being stuck in that, like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, I'm sick at home. Or, oh, I have to deal with kids for a longer time. Like, <clears throat> what's been so eye-opening is when our group, uh, so Kate and I, we were in the same sorority. I know, sorority, right? Shocker. Um, <laughs> no, we didn't have pillow fights, Ben. Shut up. We, But, like... Wow. <laughs> that wasn't where I was going. I was just going to say, uh, I'm another sorority. Last name's Neanderthal, not Neanderthal. You leave him be. <laughs> He's a modern man. Right. Yeah. But we have a, a very tight friends group. There's what, eight of us, nine of us that we all went to college together and now our husbands have all gotten to know each other. So we've been, uh, alas, we've been going to Hocking Hills now for the last 10 years as a group. Um, and since this thing started, we just started doing Zoom calls, which I think the first one was all like, yeah, I mean, this is fine. It's fine. And then the second one was kind of like, Oh my gosh, like hearing from you and hearing from our, our other friend who works at the, the other hospital and hearing from our friend who is a firefighter, it sort of all came to a head. And suddenly it was like, wow, me fighting with my kids over their homework is really kind of stupid in comparison to what you guys are going through. You know, I mean, you're also fighting with your kids over homework, Kate, but you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a big struggle because it's those of us who who have you know kids at home. I'm I'm sure at least some of us are you know wish we could be there with them. And you know, my girls are begging me to stay home every morning when I leave for work, and it's just it's heartbreaking yeah. on one hand, you know, because you are leaving them and you do want to be there for them and help them. But on the other hand, you know, you wouldn't really be doing this. Like I wouldn't be doing this as a nurse if I didn't, if that was not part of who I am, you know? And I think most people, they got into the field of medicine for that reason. You know, it's, it's, we all do what we do because it's part of who we are, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Um, so there's, it's just this, this pull back and forth constantly like I want to help but I want to just be home like why can't I just be home you know yeah there's there's something in there also Krista that I think it's important that we all bear in mind um let's talk about shame for a second and how you it's I think a lot of people are kind of resting on this philosophy of trying to say to compare their situation to others and gauge how they should feel about themselves Right. Yeah, better or worse based on someone else's experience. Um, and I think what's odd is everyone has had some sort of life altering shift happen in response to a common um, challenge that we're all facing. 
but what that looks like is so different. Um, someone like Kate, who is in the medical field and has a family at home and kids are, if they're school age, they're not at school right now. I hope not. Um, <laughs> but if they're home right now and dealing with those pressures versus people who are working from home versus people who are don't want to leave their home but need to because they've been deemed essential and then people facing financial hardship because they're they've been furloughed or laid off entirely so it's this scale of like do i have the financial anxiety am i bored am i overworked right now what does that look like um and just even thinking what does it look like three months from now the fact that no one still knows i think I think we can only really do the comparison thing when it's kind of like trickily helpful for our own mental state to say like, it's not that bad. It could be worse, but by no means should I think anyone put themselves down to be like, you know, why am I so upset? I don't have it as bad as someone else. Don't look at it that way. We're all going through some shit and it may not have even fully caught up with your brain yet. The trauma that you've experienced in response to, um, well, in a lot of ways, the trauma is kind of ongoing too. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, like, yeah, you do have to kind of be gentle with yourself a bit because it's, it can be very easy, especially when it's like, you know, every day, I mean, we all kind of joke, like, what day is it? I mean, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's Thursday at the moment, but I mean, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't really matter at this point until everything starts back up and who knows right. when that's going to be. So we're in the boat, we're all fighting the same thing and, and we all need to kind of you know, just be gentle on ourselves and be gentle on each other too. I mean, what I'm doing and what the battles that I'm fighting are different than somebody who actually had the virus, you different from somebody who's working in the medical field and, you know, and that's something to just keep in mind and, and, and be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, I do love that you said, oh, you know, our Hawking Hills group. I also had this conversation with my Hawking Hills group. I have a cabin group. <laughs> We have weekly check-ins now, um, and we were just discussing this specifically. Um, and something that came up was the idea of how the word trauma, um, we've almost stigmatized it really in the past few years. I think it's been, if you want to politicize a word, which, fuck, let's do it. Um, Why not? Everything else is weird now. I know, right? Well, let's have fun with it. Uh, so let's gender it too, for no reason. Um, but. Trauma, I think, has very much been placed, um, for some people's views, as like this snowflakey word of something very in the left where people are like, anything that upsets me or that I don't like is my trauma. Whereas it's also got this real applicable sense of like, you know, PTSD, someone who's seen war, someone who's been in a shocking event. Um, and trauma being something that needs med medicinal treatment, it needs psychotherapy, it needs all kinds of attention really and truly. Um, and it is important to remember where that word trauma comes from and the fact that we are all dealing with it right now because we have had a unified as a species major life event that has financially, socially, and for some people physically impacted how and whether we live. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Soak it in. <laughs> what, Ben? Ben. Benjamin, unmute yourself, darling. Terrible producer. Come on. <laughs> I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs>
click to another window. How dare I? Yes. No, I mean, it's, it, it's almost like we're, uh, it's like an alien invasion of some kind where it's like, we're all unified against fighting this one weird thing that's from somewhere else. And it affects everybody the same way and doesn't give a shit what our role is in the whole thing. And, you know, we just have to support each other and realize that we're all on the same team. So, yeah. Well, that sounded really, I don't know, inspirational in some weird way. I should write that down. I'm going to write a book now. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and I know for me too, it's like, you know, I, I've always been a person that stupidly thrives on being busy. And Kate, you know this about me. Ben, okay, you all know this about me, but it's like, <laughs> you know, having this, this, I need to be doing something to feel worthwhile or to feel relevant or to feel needed or useful. And yes, I'm still doing some of those things. I mean, from the moment everything shut down, Ben and I were like, nope, we're going to figure out how to do a podcast and keep going. So that's not, that's not ending. I mean, my work is not ending. I, I've got a couple of projects going and that's not ending, but it's like, there's still, even in this weird time, that feeling of like, well, I can't, I can't just sit and Netflix. I need I should be doing something. I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not making creative things. I haven't learned how to sew and I haven't baked a bread. You know, and I, I know that so much of that is social media and like, but there are enough things out there of like, I made it through the day. Yeah. There it is. Or I didn't sleep in until 1030 because I couldn't get out of bed. You know, and it's, it's hard to admit those things because I'm not typically a depressed person. But yeah, I'm absolutely depressed right now. There's not a lot of motivation to get up because that's when homework starts in our house. And, <laughs> you know, with that, go ahead, Kate. Oh, um, I forgot what I was going to say. I lost it. I have right. no choice but to get up first thing in the morning because my toddler is like, you're getting up. So, yeah, I, I'm bored and hungry. So, yeah. And, and then it's just noise all day long. And, you know. But it's delightful noise, and it's you know I make it sound like it's a chore to take care of my kids, but I mean, in a way, it's it's yeah, it is, and I I definitely don't mind putting them to bed at night, but it's been really nice to hang out with my kids and go on walks and go do things and participate in their learning, and you know, and you know, uh, if if this hadn't happened, I probably would have gone their entire scholastic career and not had an opportunity like this. So, yeah. you know, and I I guess that's. Yeah, hopelessly like, optimistic, but you know, that's it. Yeah. Just, you know, I remember like two months ago talking to some friends and saying, I just can't get off this hamster wheel. You know, I feel like I'm go, 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 go. We do work, we do school, we do activities, we do, blah, and I just feel like I cannot, we are constantly busy. I don't know how to stop this. Isn't this how it has to be? You know, and then so abruptly, it just stopped. Everything stopped. Yep. And you know what didn't happen? The world did not implode. You know what I mean? Like somehow you can be a family and you can be a person and just be at home, you know, and just yeah. enjoy each other. Yeah. And it really, for a lot of people, I think that's a, a good lesson in that just be still, you know, you don't have to, and it's hard not to go, go, go and do, do, do. But when it's forced upon you, then you kind of, 
learn a new skill. <laughs> and it's ingrained in your brain too. And you know, you, you're, you, everybody, I think if you're an American, you're kind of raised to, you know, work is kind of the ultimate thing and that's, that's what you do. And you know, when something like this happens, I think the people who are like the workaholics are the first ones to kind of, to kind of go, Oh God, what, what am I going to do? I can't do things now. And you know, and you know, but I don't know. I, I, in a creative field, you have a little bit more free time periodically, I think. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of nice to be able to enjoy that part of it, you know? So. The, uh, Krista, I'm, I'm very similar in that so much of my mental health seems to rest on a combination of Lexapro, Wellbutrin and being constantly busy with something, <laughs> um, which I'm very happy I found my medications. They're really helpful right now. Um, but also past that, something that has been tremendously fortunate for me. Um, yeah, let's talk about good things <laughs> that over the last month uh, is that I, I am in the arts field and I have a full-time job with health benefits still. That's huge. That's awesome. Um, and I'm grateful for it every day. And not only that, the, the need to feel like um, right now that we're, being helpful in some way. I think there's something really altruistic in everybody where it's like, I want to contribute something. Um, the organization I work for, <laughs> that I work for was for 40 years has been providing funding, education, workshops, and advocacy for all of New York City nonprofit theater. If you know of a nonprofit theater company in New York, grading from Broadway levels to like Manhattan Theater Club, roundabout, uh, if you look at like Lincoln Center, down to people that just moved to the city and said, you know, we have maybe 5,000 bucks to scrape together, let's do a show. That whole spectrum of theater. And it's the job of my company to, again, advocate, provide the funding, provide the education to how to, how to be a company. So right now, the need for what we do has almost never been more needful <laughs> because we're we're in an odd position where we need to look at okay do do we think that theater is as essential as medical work right now you know you can't compare those apples and oranges and also just flatten up <laughs> we need to support our medical field right now but at the same time social distancing these practices in, in place how can theater exist in that world it's it's a, a essential it's essential that you be physically present for the specific profession. And we have thousands of people in the city right now who are out of work um, and hundreds of theaters that might be in a position where depending on how long this goes on, can they actually reopen their doors? So what does that look like culturally for New York? What does it look like economically for New York when you have these thousands of professionals that don't have something to do? And conversely, how do we support them or find alternatives? And how do we rebuild once those doors do open in a few months? Um, looking at like performance venues that have flexible seating so that you aren't cram packed into these little airplane seats like we usually are when you go to the theater with your knees in the back of somebody's shoulder blades, just making friends with everybody around you. Can't do that anymore. And people won't want to, even if it's said that it's safe. We're gonna be uncomfortable for a long time getting close to people. Yeah. Um, so this past month, Having that, that financial security, knowing that I have health care, and knowing that I get to immediately do something that is incredibly impactful, not only to other people, but to something I care about, which is theater, um, 
has been tremendously helpful mentally right now. And I can never count my blessings enough for that. Even while I was sick, my work was very supportive um, of me and wanted to make sure that I got better first. Mm -hmm. um, even though I probably sent a few emails while I had a fever that may not have been grammatically correct. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I think that's been incredibly helpful is having something meaningful to focus on during all this time. And if you don't, and if you've been furloughed, I think it's so important for everyone to find something immediate for them that they can focus on and take care of. Even if it's just like growing a tomato plant, just something small where you can get immediate impact, where you can see a result of something you've done that's good is huge right now. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm going to end with that. I love seeing all the like the the arts that are out there and people are doing remotely. It's touched my heart seeing like, you know, Nora Jones and all these singers posting things on Facebook. Um what our kids did, the the Mo Willems um drawing. He does has like a drawing lesson for kids every day. Just yeah. people, like come forward and do things that they really don't need to do you know, just to try to make an impact on the greater world, you yeah. know? And so people who have talents like that, you know, that's a great outlet for them, yeah. you know, to kind of reach out there and share their talent and make people happy. And, and then we have people like Krista who brings all those people together and make sure that they have a hub or at least someone to depend on to give them, you know, a reason to, oh, maybe I need to get up today to film something because Krista's group needs, <laughs> I have to, I have to report to the squad on the quarantine creatives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really big. Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and good for you, and we needed it. God, you, you turned around so quickly with that. Well, you were already engaging with the community for years before then, of just doing statuses, like, how's everyone doing? Here's a topic. It's so for me, social media has always been kind of weird because I, I plummeted into stay at home parenting when Facebook came about. Um, so like 2008, I joined Facebook. 2008 was the first year that I was home. Um, and Kate can attest to it. I'm not a great stay at home person. Um, so for all of that time, it's, Facebook suddenly became this way to connect. And it's like, how can I connect more? On a, on a social distance. So this, oddly, maybe I have been preparing for something like this on social media. That's kind of embarrassing to say, but it's, it's sort of that I found my platform a long time ago of like, what do I want to see of people? How do I want to engage people? Because it's selfishly for me too. It, it makes me feel human to see people out there um, and doing their thing wow. and, and engaging with others. And I mean, I, I laughed today, Ben, I think you and I talked twice and both times was like a pretty elongated phone conversation, which we don't typically do, No. but we do that so much more now. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was a horribly rough day and one of our best friends was celebrating his birthday in Texas. And it was like, I, I don't guys, I don't, I don't know. It's been a rough day. I may not, I may not get on the call. Um, and I got on the call. And it was, it's like a flip of the night of just to see people and to hear voices and, and to feel, even though my, my duff is in the same chair in the basement, 
behind my, my bed sheet that's taped with red duct tape to the wall because that's don't call not... attention to it man you can't Fancy. see that just it's a perfectly designed set it's wonderful whatever your pot plant back there too <laughs> but you know it's like to take that moment to connect with people and and that's what people are doing people are having conversations ben you said today because you are pretty much an introvert but you yeah. said you started having conversations with random people well no we went to blendon woods and we're going through and there's other people who are walking and jogging and that kind of thing and and i've noticed this in general just like if you go out like it used before this happened like people would kind of pass each other and they may nod they may you know kind of smile at each other that kind of thing you know, but now it's like, hi, how are you? How are you? Are you feeling well? Are you doing well? How's, how are things going on right now? Are you, are you enjoying your walk in the woods? It's nice weather. Isn't it? It's really lovely out, you know, and then they're like, okay, bye, bye. You gotta go, you know, and it's, you know, it's, I don't know, sort of the, the, the craving of the human interaction is, it's gotten a little intense at times. So, <laughs> You want sample sampling of that as far as like how intense you want to talk about being in Manhattan, the most I can imagine everyone's got somewhere to be and not looking up. So um, it is already visually trippy going outside because one, if you're going to the grocery store or pharmacy, and that's about the only places you're going, um, there are lines outside six, six feet apart of people waiting to get in and everyone, pretty much everyone has a mask on. But past that, when you're walking up and down the street, even just getting some air, it's all these masks and eye contact. Every time you pass someone, they dead eye contact with you, and you get a, that little that little sparkle, that Tyra Banks smiles, where you can tell <laughs> that they're engaging with you in some way. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> that yeah. was not a thing before. Yeah, not because yeah. there was any animosity. It's just not the way of life. <laughs> see, I feel weird going to the grocery store and like you know, I'm so used to like when I see people, I kind of smile, nod, that kind of thing. And and you know, now in the grocery store, I've got a mask on my face, so I'm like. <laughs> you're like, you know, I'm like, oh, they can't see me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm smiling at you. You want to be like, hello, I am smiling at you. Yeah. You know what it calls attention to? I feel like this is something that, at least from my experience, is very specific to Caucasian women in a workplace of saying hello in this way. Like you're mouthing high and you maybe exhale a little bit. Can't do that with a mask on. Guys, do this. Find your voice. So. <laughs> That's I our thing. That yeah, we, we go. The silent, the silent, no. Like a little baby bird that's trying to do a little squeak. I realized that that was great for a podcast medium. <laughs> Literally opening my mouth a little bit. Sarcasm oh, is really hard with the mask on too. That's been difficult a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All we can see is your eyes and there's just, it's not as expressive as normally. Oh, sure? I love that. <laughs> Are you insulting me right now? I don't know. It's <laughs> a Monty Python sketch. Is what it needs to be. <laughs> the other thing that's really hard with the mask on, okay, there are a lot of hard of hearing older adults in this world who truly cannot hear anything that you say. And for the last 15 years, have been reading your lips. And you don't realize it until you're like, ah. <laughs> and they're like, ooh. Oh, no. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, that is also the thing when you think about the hard of hearing and and capital D lowercase D deaf community is yeah. I mean, a lot of people have gotten by because our uh, current way of living doesn't naturally provide interpreters wherever you go. 
Um, so they've survived for a long time based on lip reading. It's like, oh shit, that's gone now. So how do we pivot and accommodate everyone as a society? So many things to be conscious of these days. I know, I know. And like, I'm, I'm making jokes about, it's like, oh, it's weird to, 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 you know, emote with a mask on and, you know, medical people are like, yeah, dude, we know it's, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. Okay. But it's, but it's. That's the whole thing of this is like, if, if there is any one thing that is already happening is that people are so much more cognizant and aware of each other, mm-hmm. negatively or positively. But it's like, for once, we're finally paying attention to each other. For the first time in a long time. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's nice. We've been so busy. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> say that again. I was just, he said, it's nice. And I'm like, stop. But it is though. But it's hard. Yeah. I wish we can come to this, but yes. I mean, yeah. Okay. Nice. I, obviously I'm saying that with a massive grain of salt, but yes, I mean, it's uh, obviously things are terrible and we don't want people to suffer or anything like that. But I mean, like there's silver linings if you look for them. So you're right in the playbook. Yep. There's also silver Cuervo. Um, I think doesn't, Jack Daniels has a silver label. Johnny Walker has a silver Absolute does. And if it doesn't, I'm about to write them a letter. Or are these boozes? Is that what these were ta- that we're talking about? Talking about perfume. Oh. <laughs> Liquids, I, I dab don't know on. anything about perfume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I, we are going to bring this to a close, but my gosh, this has been, this has been incredible. Um, especially... Because I think initially my thought was like, well, let's have Audrey on for a while and then we'll say goodbye and then we'll have Kate on for a while. And I am so glad that that didn't happen because it was so cool to see how you guys. Yeah. 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 Um, And I know that that people are probably going to have questions after this. Um, We're going to be posting this probably tomorrow, which if you're watching is today, which is a day of the week. Um, One's mind is like. I know. I know. I have a friend that posts on a whiteboard every day. Today is day blank. The date is blank. The day of the week is blank. And I legitimately go to his page every single day. First thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Clint right now, because otherwise I, would, I, I wouldn't have any idea. It would just be the day of the week. I'll yeah. give you a dollar if you start commenting fake news on his posts. <laughs> it's no, it's not. Audrey, I don't want you to have to Lysol a dollar and put it in the mail. I'll do it. <laughs> She'll Venmo. Coins, they carry less, right, Kate? What did you say? Oh, coins carry less? I don't know. Probably. This is a forest and a paper baller. <laughs> you can put the coins in the dishwasher. So, yeah. <laughs> dishwasher, aren't you fancy? I live in New York. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to water. <laughs> hey, Audrey, if it makes you feel any better, I live in Westerville and we also don't have a dishwasher. It sucks. You have kids. You have two. Yeah. Dishwashers. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what would happen. <laughs> I think the thing is like this, this time of telling your kids to stay away from friends, um, not touch each other's toys, it's like, this is when we see how they still haven't grown out of licking things, um, putting their hands where they don't belong. It's like, 
Wow, you are disgusting humans. Um, Every time I take my daughter literally anywhere, she finds little rocks on the road and puts them in her mouth, and I cannot stop her from doing it. And it's like, oh my God, you are so bad at this. But One of these days, she's going to do it, pick up a rock and look at you and go, they were here. You know what it meant. She's going to help your whole family. Oh my gosh. But yeah, <laughs> this, this is brilliant. Um, but thank you so much, Audrey Rush, Kate Court. Thank you guys. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank you. And thanks. Thank you for having us. No. Oh, yeah. Glad you're feeling better. And Kate, thank you for your work. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. And, I'm and, and thank all of you for tuning in and listening and watching. If you're watching this, if, uh, or, or however you're consuming this with your eyeballs and ear holes. Um, and <laughs> um, if you like what you hear, uh, please like, subscribe, uh, you know, click the little thumbs up icon. That really helps us or hit the bell icon. That helps us out as well. Um, it, it, if you want to hear more topics like this, let us know. Find us on Facebook. That's kind of our primary landing page where you can suggest topics, ask questions, that sort of thing. Um, and, and we check that pretty much all the time. I think we make that pretty clear. We're on Facebook all, all the time. Aren't we all right now? Um, and, uh, it's, it, 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 if there's other topics, other people you think we should talk to, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, Krista, where can, where else can people find you on social? You know, uh, where on, I mean, Instagram sometimes. Okay. That's it. I don't do the Twitter thing. Okay. Because in my head. Perfect. Post <laughs> the quarantine creative group. You know people follow. Yeah, me. yeah, that's a huge thing right now. That's yeah. awesome. It's been it's been really cool. Really cool to see that happening. And we also started a virtual theater group um, where each week we're trying to put up at least one work of of theater. They have to also be awesome too. Um, but we've we've gotten cast together of shows that have been produced here in Columbus. And we've also put new scripts into play. Um, <clears throat> so that's been cool to see people. And we actors need it. I mean, just just to do something. And the other cool part that I've noticed, especially as, as an acting teacher and acting coach, is now we have to learn how to act to the little dot that's on the screen. <laughs> so even if Audrey is my scene partner, I can't look at Audrey while I'm talking to her. I have to speak to her as though she's this little green dot at the top of my computer. <laughs> But it's a new one's going to come out of this with a reel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's teaching stage actors now how to work with a camera. Um, so it's been a it's been a really unique learning experience, a learning curve for us too. Um, and it's also fun to see the inside of everybody's home. So it, Ooh, we ought to make a new game for the for the video portion of this. Is what is in the background of your 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 camera? What well, what can we see? So, like Audrey, I see a few images and pictures behind you here. Um, is there a cupcake? It looks like a cupcake back there. No, no flowers. Uh, I think real. I I will share with you one of my little pride and joy things. It's a little whoop my phone. It's a little secret that I have. This is all of it, by the way. This is where I was for the quarantine. I have bed. I have my uh, New York library, and there's my window. Oh, you got a window. What's the window look at? Uh, all my neighbors. <laughs> nice but something that's fun in my room that i enjoy sharing is that all the little bugs i'm like a oh cool entomologist and everyone usually says oh that's cute what's up there and then the number of people that get up close and go 
is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's my fun thing in my room. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And Kate is Kate is in her amazing. Is it a Florida room? Do we call it that? It's, yeah, it's really cool. We call it a sun porch. I don't know what it's really called, but I chose this room because, as you see, there's a door right there. And I can shut the door and close the curtains, and no one knows I'm in here. And it's like a little <laughs> tiny vacation just for you. <laughs> and that's why I chose this space. It's a little cold because it's not a four seat. It's not a four season room, the three season room, and it's 30 degrees outside, but yeah. it was worth it. I got my blanket. I'm good. It's awesome. <laughs> no little pitter patters coming in to bug me. Yeah, nice. I keep hearing that above my head too, so. <laughs> but guys, thank you again so much, so much. Thank you, Kate. And uh, we, we literally could not do this without you. Um, so thank you for everything that you and your coworkers and, and bosses and compadres and their family are all doing so thank you you're amazing yep thank you so much thank you. love you guys thanks thanks for listening in yep thank you bye boxland media think big